Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about what buyers look for in a business. And we get lots of buyers here at Transworld. I mean, we're talking thousands of buyers literally from around the world and they are looking to buy a business. Now we're going to talk specifically about the individual buyer, the buyer that's coming to us to buy a business. And I'm going to talk even further, generalize the kind of buyer we're going to talk about today. The buyer that we're talking about today is, I can't tell you how many people call me and say, I want to buy a business I want the business to be blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I want, but I want to make a certain amount of money or I want to replace an income. And these are the general buyers that are looking to buy businesses that are hard to find. I mean, frankly, you know, listen, uh, we sell a lot of restaurants. We sell a lot of uh, salons. We sell a lot of, you know, specific contracting and, and, and businesses that take a certain amount of uh, specialties like doctor practices and things like that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the buyer that just wants to buy a business so they don't have to go to work anymore. Right, Jessica? Right. And this is, I mean, we're talking, this is the bulk of the buyers that we talk to. So, you know, the typical profile is somebody that's worked in corporate for 10 to 20 years. They've dreamed of buying a business. They've saved money in their retirement. And now they're looking for income replacement. Um, they're looking to buy by themselves a job, but also within a business that they can grow um, and do well. Um, they're looking for significant income replacement. A lot of these people have worked their way up the corporate ladder. So they're used to six-figure salaries and things like that. Um, so if you're listening to the show today as a business seller, this will help you position your business for sale if this is the type of buyer that you want to attract, which I'd say you would because it's, like I said, the bulk of the buyers and you want to create some competition. And if you're a buyer in this segment, think about how you can carve out some um, competitive advantage for yourself as a buyer. We're going to talk a little bit about some general generalities that these buyers ask for. And often if you're in this pool, the more specific you can be, the better your chances of finding and winning a deal. Yeah. Or creating competition for your deal. Uh, again, there's a lot of these buyers, these generic buyers out there that you know, come to us and say, I just want to buy something good. And, you know, what is something good? Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today. This is what a buyer specifically looks for in a business. So Jessica, what's the first thing that they're looking for? So they're looking for a business with established revenue. And really when we say established revenue, established performance. So they're looking for a business that has revenue, like we've already talked about, they have a cash flow number or an SDE number in their head that they need to cover their personal expenses. So a lot of times they'll say, well, I need a minimum cash flow of 200,000. And that's where their search will start. They'll look at that 
and up. And it's for a couple reasons. One is they need cash flow to cover personal expenses. The other is that it proves that the business is a viable company and they're not doing a startup. They're not building this thing from scratch. Yeah, they, they are looking for established revenues and established earnings. And I, I would say the bigger those revenues are, the less risk there is, right? And the more diversified that revenue is, uh, the less risk there is. So they're looking for those types of things in the revenue numbers uh, and having some sort of assurance that the revenue and in income is going to happen again. So, you know, they want something that they feel like is some sort of marketplace that is providing those uh those sales and those earnings. So it's really important. And, and it's important that they feel like they can grow it. Right. It is important to grow it. And like we talked about, actually, if you go back a couple episodes in our top 10 ways to increase the value of your business, this t- it ties very directly to keeping good books and records. So the way that buyers are going to want to value uh, or verify this established revenue or established performance is by financial records. So verifying through P&Ls, through bank statements, and either when they're looking or through due diligence, that that's how they pick this business based on established revenue. So that's where they make their their verifications and, and create their own valuations really too of what the business is worth to them. Yeah, I agreed, agreed. Okay, so what's the second thing they're looking for? So they're looking to determine what the owner's engagement is in the business. And um, we, we get a lot of inquiries where they'll ask us for things like, I want an absentee owner business or a semi-absentee owner business. And um, I think both Andy and I were on the same page that, you know, absentee owner businesses don't exist, right? <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's something you have to always do as an owner, but the, what they're really meaning here, what they're looking for is they want businesses that the owner's not, you know, for lack of a better term, making the widgets day to day. They don't want, um, they're not looking for another 80 to 90 hour a week job. Um, they, they want a business where there's a good diversification along the organizational chart where they can come in as the new owner bring their talents and grow the business while a team manages the day-to-day operations of the business. Yeah, they want to see a business that could possibly survive without the owner. I mean, I've seen buyers ask, how much vacation did you take? I mean, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, you know, and some sellers kind of, you know, cringe at that question. It's like they already want to take time off. But it's a good question because it, it basically says that you have a widget, or you have a business that is able to create those widgets without you. And if if you've ever read the E-Myth, uh, that's what it is. I mean, you want to create a business that has a systems in place that are transferable to the new buyers. So the, the amount of the time that the business owner works uh, and how much expertise is uh, required to take over that business is going to make it much more or less attractive to a buyer. So when buyers are looking for something that they feel they could do, and and that, listen, they, they picture themselves in this business. Uh, we talked a couple <laughs> about the top 10 ways and we talked about they don't want to drive up and see the sink in the front of the yard of the business, right? 
Yeah. I mean, they want, they are, they're picturing themselves in this business. Like they would picture themselves in a new home. Um, and I think here too, especially dealing with the dynamics of buyers that are coming out of these corporate careers and a lot of business owners that are selling, especially right now, we've talked in the seller tsunami have been in business or been an entrepreneur pretty much all their life. And it, it's really two different worlds, right? So when you're, when you're talking, um, you know, either if you're a, a seller talking to a buyer or a buyer talking to a seller, you know, maybe they don't have quite the understanding of how business owners operate. And some business owners, like, honestly, we're a little crazy, right? Because we all, we get passionate about our business and we want to work in our business and we want to grow our business. But do we really need to work the 50 hours a week in the business for it to operate profitably? Probably not. So what we're talking about here is what do you need to do as an owner to keep the business running at the level it is now? What are those day-to-day responsibilities and how many hours are there? And I know we talked to a lot of people like, well, I never take vacation because I'm working wherever I go. I'm like, yeah, but is that a choice, right? And that's where I think the difference comes in. Um, so again, um, they're looking for the owner engagement. They're trying to figure out what their their day-to-day responsibilities are. So if we go back to our top 10 ways to increase value, hiring some people, making sure you delegate tasks is, is really going to help um, make this business more attractive to buyers. Yeah, again, the more generic your business is, the more generic that the owner-operator's engagement is, that's going to drive more value to your business, as we talked about. So that's very attractive to buyers. Buyers want that generic business that they're going to jump in and they're going to be able to run. So uh, that's, you know, again, very, very important to the buyers. All right, so let's jump into the number three thing that buyers are looking for in a business and it's stability in ever-changing markets. So this is another catchphrase we hear a lot is recession resistant, right? They're looking for a business that's recession resistant or even grows through a recession. Um, And those, uh, you know, when you talk about industries, those are hard to find, but there's ways that you can make your business um, recession resistant or at least able to sustain those changing marketplaces. Yeah, you have a good diversity of what you're doing in your business product mix, and you have a good diversity of customer base. Uh, so you're not reliant, perhaps, on government uh, when the government decides to cut back, or you're not reliant upon uh, the high-end marketplace uh, when they decide that they're not going to buy a certain thing, or the low-end marketplace when they definitely need to cut out in, res- in a recession. So those things are really important to have kind of in your business, but they're looking for that, right? That's what business owners are looking, I mean, business buyers are looking for stability. And the other big thing that they're looking for is not to be Uberized, right? They're looking for not to be uh, some sort of business model that's going to be disrupted. Right. And the flip side I'd say to buyers too, is that I think part of the game of entrepreneurship is that that's where you bring in your specialty, right? Is that there's no business that's really stable in every market, at least no industry. There's businesses that are stable in every market and it's because of how the owner manages the business. So you can do things as a buyer, like look at trends of the business back through different markets. If they've been around for 10 or 20 years, you can look back at 08, 09, 10, there's also opportunity there where you as a buyer can add value. You know, say you're coming out of a corporate career where you've managed transition change or you've managed turnarounds, things like that. And the same thing with Uberization. There's a lot of opportunity as a buyer now to look into some of these industries that haven't been Uberized yet, 
probably need to, and maybe you're the one to do it. Yeah, I really think that businesses that have, you know, recurring customers, people hate change, uh, you know, and and the good that's great news for business buyers because and business owners because even if they're Uberized, people will av- avoid that to just keep doing business with people that they like, and so uh, and that kind of goes into our next reason uh, or the next reason or thing that buyers like in a business. What is that? Yeah. And that's reputation. Um, so especially with today's online world, it is very easy to figure out the reputation of a business. So buyers will look on things like Google reviews and Yelp, um, the better business bureau. They're looking to see what the reputation of the business is in the community and in the industry. And that's super important, um, especially in B2C facing, uh, companies nowadays. Yeah, we, we've had the, some issues with a company uh, that we're doing a deal with right now, and we're, we're trying to think of ways uh, around it. But a buyer of a business actually wants to buy this business because they're just trying to clean up their reputation. So they want to change the name to the business that they're buying. I mean, it's, it's a pretty crazy thing, but that's how important reputation is. Uh, things like Yelp and Angie's List and all those things are kind of driving value and buyers are looking. So if you don't have a good reputation, you better start changing it and you better get someone to help clean it up. There's all ways that you could do that online these days. Yeah, there's tons of ways. And I, we see a lot of two um, businesses that are are not um, online or haven't been online very long that don't even have reviews. And that's also a red flag for buyers too. So just starting to collect reviews um, from your past clients, get some testimonials. Um, you know, we had a speaker come in once for a transroll conference that says, even if you have a negative review, just responding to that review or even reaching out to the customer to try to make the situation better. I think it's like 67% of the time, the review will either come down or change to a positive one. Um, so yeah, so that's very important, you know, reputation also, um, if you are in a very niche industry, the buyer's going to do research about that too. If you're working in things like government contracts, things like that. So maybe reputation isn't online to you, but starting to make sure that the word about your business is very positive in the market. Okay. And what's another thing that buyers are looking for in a business? So it's really the type of business. And like you said, Andy, this isn't about industry. A lot of people come to us and and they don't know what industry they want to buy. You know, like you said, generalizing your business, they're a salesperson. So they're looking for a business where they can put their sales skills to use. The industry, they might have a list of 15 different industries that they're looking at. But when we say type of business, we're talking about franchise or franchise-like or like a very specific niche that they're looking for. And this depends on the buyer. Um, But maybe, Andy, talk a little bit about the buyer that's going to want a franchise or something that's franchise-ready, we'll call. Yeah, I think people who want franchises are people who want sort of a roadmap. Uh, They might have come from corporate. They might have come from the military. They might have come from a highly structured place where they maybe not be strong in sales. So they want a roadmap to be able to sell uh, and be able to offer their products or their, you know, or their service in a way that, you know, it's kind of a dummy proof. You know, they want to be able to have the support and the encouragement of a franchise uh, so they can move forward and, you know, have that assurance that they're going to do it right. 
Right. And we used to talk about a lot that franchises are also good for first-time business owners, but anymore you see a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs entering um, franchise ownership as well. Like I'm one of those, but if you're in an industry that, you know, being big while being small can be a competitive advantage. Franchises in those types of industries, you know, ours is a great example of it. Having a global network of buyers is very important to the success of each of our local offices. And we can't do that on our own. So if you're in that type of industry and you are a franchise, you're going to get a higher price for your business typically. Um, so, you know, you can do things if you're not a franchise, like you can think about franchising your business. Um, you can even start to systematize your business. So there is some of these processes and procedures. So that's where we say franchise ready, where a buyer comes in and they're like, okay, I feel pretty good that a lot of these processes are documented for me already. Yep, and they look for the franchise type business and what other business do they look for? So the other types of businesses they're looking for is um, a niche business. So they're looking for businesses that have limited competition. Um, and these are all, I mean, for us, this is always like the most interesting businesses that we sell, right? So they're looking for a business and they, again, they have no idea what this is, but somebody that's only one of two players that does something specific, it ties back to the recession resistant recurring revenue. I think that um, the, probably the best example we have of this is the, um, the body display, Andy, that we had listed for sale yeah. a couple of years ago, but um, it, it was a business that basically rented out cadavers for different museums and things like that and different, um, operations. But, um, you know, that's a niche business and there's lots of businesses like that. And it's hard to give examples because there's things that people do to make a million dollars in this world that you would never cross your mind. Yeah. I had another, we had a very other good niche business. It was a local business that tested dive tanks. So basically what they did is they highly pressurized dive tanks. They put them in, in this well, kind of like underground well, uh, pressurize them. And if they didn't explode, uh, they were a good dive tank and all dive tanks have to be tested, uh, so often. And so it was, a, it was a very interesting business. It was, a it was a lot to get this equipment going. Uh, there, there was only one of them or two of them in the state of Florida or locally, I forget where, what the geographic region was, but everybody used this business. So it was an annuity, uh, to the people that bought it and it was highly sought after and it sold. Um, I asked them how many times did the tanks actually explode, uh, when they tested them and it was like two in like 20 years. <laughs> so. yeah. So I think, I mean, if you're a business that's, you're in a niche industry like that, you know, you're one of two players in your community or a few players nationwide, it's a really big driver of value, but you have to get to that generalized business or that generalized job structure for the buyer. Cause if they have to come in and learn some type of niche production process or something like that, it's going to limit the buyer pool. But if they're, just acting as the business manager, the business owner, maybe a lead salesperson, that's going to increase the value. So buyers are looking for those types of businesses as well. Again, they don't, they don't know what it is, but they know they want a business that's niche with limited competition. So any other ways that you, any other things that you see buyers looking for in a business? 
Well, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about books and records and financials, but, you know, one thing buyers are looking for is they're, they're looking to leverage their capital too. So again, this goes back to clean books and records, but buyers really do prefer to leverage their capital through bank financing and seller financing. So they can, and we, we talk about this um, a lot with our new brokers where we, we do this training with a pyramid. If a buyer has a hundred thousand dollars, they can buy a hundred thousand dollar business for cash right? They could buy a $200,000 business with 50% seller financing, or they could buy a million dollar business with 10% down and some seller carry and a bank note. So I, I mean, which business would you want to buy if you're a buyer? Keeping in mind that the earnings go hand in hand with the price too that you're paying. Yeah. You want to buy the million dollar business and you wait because it probably earns about, you know, 300 or $400,000 uh, as opposed to the $100,000 cash business, which might be uh, something that makes 50 or 60 or 70, you know, so it's, uh, it's a no brainer in that. And, you know, when buyers are looking for businesses, uh, especially those generic businesses that we just discussed, uh, and they're looking at these things in their business, I do remind everybody and I'll remind the buyers out there that are listening and the sellers, not every business could hit, uh, an A on the report card on all these items. So I always tell buyers, they're never going to find the perfect business, right? They're never going to find a 100% absentee business. They're never going to find a business that has a perfect niche with no competitors. I mean, yes, do we have examples of one or two things that, that happen like that? But uh, for the most part, they're going to have to buy something that has a decent report card. Right. And honestly, if it was perfect, we talk about this all the time, they wouldn't be selling right? Or our joke is always like, well, if, it, if, if they would sell, it wouldn't hit the market. Or if it did, there'd be so many buyers lined up to buy it, you'd be paying a premium for it. So I think where what the game is as a buyer is, you know, develop your own report card, get a decent business that hits most of the boxes, but leave space open that you can add your special talents to in order to get it to the next level. So I think one of the, the best ways to really increase wealth through buying and selling businesses is you can buy a business, add value to it, grow it over the years, grow the earnings, and then sell it for a higher multiple and a higher sale price down the road. And that's where like you, you really don't want an A business, right? Because you're going to pay a premium for an A business anyway as a buyer. So just figure out where you can add value and you can drive growth. Yeah. You want to buy a business that thrives from your strengths and doesn't suffer from your weaknesses. And if it's going to suffer from your weaknesses, that's where you're going to have to hire people or you're going to have to leverage and bring in expertise through uh, outsourcing or hiring a good CPA or hiring a good CFO if you're not a good bookkeeper or hiring a good sales manager if you don't like to manage uh, salespeople or sell yourself. So another thing we see um, buyers kind of looking for in businesses is, and you kind of teed this up, Andy, is businesses that have professional advisors. So, um, you know, again, we try not to promote that the only way to sell your business is through a broker, but there are disadvantages if you try and sell it yourself without advisors. And, and some savvy buyers will honestly try and take advantage of those types of business owners. But most buyers want to come in and look at a business that has professional advisors helping them through the process. So a broker, a lawyer, a, a professional accountant helping with those books and records that we talked about. Um, and a lot of the buyers, like the well-qualified ones, are going to go through those channels, the broker channels, to find the businesses that they're looking for. Yeah, I, I would even say to people out there, uh, to the buyers and the sellers, 
uh, that when there is a deal without a broker, the biggest danger in a deal is not getting the deal done. That's the biggest danger. So I would tell buyers that if you find the perfect business that you want to buy and the owner's willing to sell it to you, bring in a broker. I mean, it seems completely counterintuitive that you would pay money, but just think how much money would you pay to not lose this deal? I mean, how much, if you're going to keep a business for 10 years, 20 years, like I've kept Transworld, 25 years, I've kept Transworld. If you're going to keep it for that, would you pay a little extra money to make sure you got that deal done? Right. Definitely. Or pay a little extra money to make sure you don't miss some box. That's a huge liability down the road, you know, for on either side, seller or buyer side. Um, So yeah. Yeah. You need that team. You just need that team. You need the CPA, you need the lawyer, you need the intermediary that knows what they're doing uh, so they can help you properly value it. You might even need a valuation expert, but that's a whole nother story for another day, another uh, podcast that we've done. Uh, But, you know, these are the things that we've talked about that buyers are looking for. So you you could listen to this uh, podcast in two different ways, right? You could listen to it as a business owner and saying, okay, these are the things that buyers look for. I need to improve all those things. And as a buyer, if you are not filling out one of those boxes and you can find kind of figure out what kind of buyer you are. Right. And, and I think too, like we talked about at the beginning, if you're a buyer and you want to be more competitive in the marketplace, you know, narrowing some of these generalities that we talked about, you know, coming to a broker with that, with not 15 different industries that you want to look at, but maybe starting with three, um, knowing what your owner engagement is going to be. If you want to work 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week, being more specific than semi-absentee. And that's really what's going to set you apart in a broker's mind. I equate it a lot when you're selling, when you're like selling your services as a business, if you're asking for some referrals or something specific from the marketplace and you're specific, like I want to meet attorneys that do deals, you're going to get more referrals than if you just say, I want to meet attorneys. And it's the same thing if you're looking for businesses. If you come to a broker and say, I want to look for, you know, a professional CPA practice that has cash flow over 200,000, you're going to get more leads for businesses than just, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. I need at least $100,000. I'm open to everything. So the more specific you can be, the more helpful it is in your search. Yeah, and a little helpful hint. When I was a buyer 25 years ago and I came to Transworld, I had been to enough brokers that I was trying to explain what I wanted. I still didn't really know what I wanted, but what I did was I created a little resume for myself, how much money I had, what I was looking for, what I absolutely didn't want, and, uh, and, and so I had this little resume that I handed out. So, you know, even just doing that process of sitting down and trying to, do, because like Jessica said, brokers only have so much time. And these days there's so many buyers out there that they're going to only pay attention to the ones that they think are serious. And if you come forward and you know, these things, you know, all these things that you want, you can drill down specifically what you want in these expectations, uh, they're going to treat you a lot better and you're probably going to get a deal done. Right. So we hope this was helpful, no matter which side you're on, sell side, buy side. We hope you enjoy these more information-based shows. Again, if you have questions or ideas for the show, please visit us at thedealboardpodcast.com and reach out. Thanks so much. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. 
Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a very special guest, Josh Sagman from Transworld Business Advisors of South Florida. And Josh just did a very interesting deal. Uh, it happened to be in Puerto Rico, which is uh, a little bit different. Of course, that's here in the United States, but it's sort of outside the continental United States. And so, Josh, tell us a little bit about this deal. Yeah. Hey, Andy. How are you? Um, it was a. It was a very. Uh, I'll say complex deal because of the economy in Puerto Rico. Um, the seller is actually looking to move to Spain with his family. And what he had was a consulting company that specialized in regulatory compliance, government affairs, tax incentives to basically bring other businesses and companies into Puerto Rico. And it took us a little bit of time, but after I think it was around our six months of having the business listed, we found a, a good partnership, uh, a guy basically moving with his family from the United States to Puerto Rico. Um, so during the due diligence process, everything was coming along. We were at the closing table and it ended up, what ended up happening was he got rejected, um, for a surety bond, mm. which I'm sure, you know, a lot of times with these businesses, when people are going to hold a note, they request a surety bond. So the buyer um, he got Rousseau at basically the uh, 24th hour, right at the end, they were at the closing table and we had to get creative. So what we ended up doing was we ended up having him give a personal check to be cashed as the first installment of the payment plan. So he was going to basically pay a little bit up front and then with the two other payments, he would do it at the top, at the at the end. Mm -hmm. So it got, it got a little hairy as a lot of these deals do, but, uh, we got there. And, uh, as far as I know right now, we've got a, a very satisfied seller who we represented and the buyer is, is happy. So it, uh, was a good deal. Great. And, and, you know, again, we do a lot of different weird, you know, interesting businesses and, you know, people always ask me, Hey, could I sell a consulting business even though it's mostly me? And this is just a great example of doing that, right? Absolutely. I mean, this this business was probably 75% the seller. Um, but having said that, he, you know, it was, it was easy to have somebody step in. So basically, he's going to stay on board for around 60 days during the transitional time period, just so he can get to know the clients and the government agencies that he works with. And uh, it should be a pretty smooth transition. Okay. And once again, because you know, we were transactional brokers. So even though I was representing the seller, I was also representing the buyer by having, you know, the buyer give him, you know, the seller give a little bit of financial, uh, you know, payments through, you know, doing a little bit of owner earnout. It enabled the, the buyer to, to really feel comfortable with the business. Great. So how much did the business sell for? You know, it, it sold for full price. It sold for 199000 um, we ended up, you know, as I said, he took 75,000, so three payments of 75 and, uh, 
what is that, an 124000 down. Right. So, uh, yeah, we got, we got full price for it. The owner benefits were great. I mean, the owner operator was making, I think, close to 400000 a year. Right. So it really was a, was a situation where just the, the buyer, you know, was, was looking for this type of business where he could step in and be an owner operator. The seller was looking to sell. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it was, as we like to say, and I know you say it all the time, it was just a good deal for good people. Great. Yep. It's a, you know, and that happens with those consulting businesses. We've sold psychology practices. The multiples do get low because it's so highly specialized, but you know, this was a, you know, uh, a great deal. Again, trans world, finding good deals for good people's needles in the haystack. So Josh, if uh, somebody else has a business they want to sell in Puerto Rico, how best to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is uh, Joshua Sagman, just first and last name at tworld.com. And uh, my direct mobile is 561-707-8986. What was great about this deal is, you know, I had some connections in Puerto Rico, but this really kind of, you know, made it much larger. So now we've got several law firms that we work with, several different groups, you know, that stepped in to make the deal happen. So we really have a network of people, you know, in Puerto Rico, if somebody is looking to either buy a business there or, you know, potentially if you live in Puerto Rico and want to sell your business, uh, we can definitely streamline and make it happen. Great. Great job. Thanks again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Welcome back, everybody. And today for our Listing of the Week, I'm joined by Carrie Davis, a business broker in our Trans World Business Advisors of New York office. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jessica. Real happy to be here. Great. So, Carrie, you have a great business for sale. Tell us a little bit about this listing. Well, let's take a, a kind of virtual tour of the produce section of your supermarket. Just imagine the apples, the artichokes, the berries, the avocados, the bananas, eggplants, dried plums, dried fruit, fresh cut vegetables, etc. So we're in the world of produce. And what we have in New York serving the new greater New York metropolitan area is one of the major players of the wholesale importer and distributor of produce into the area. Now, it's grown in farms and fields around the country and importantly in South America, where a lot of this produce product comes from. And it ends up in supermarkets and restaurants and eventually to your table for dinner. But an important link of that is the wholesaler and importer. It's the company started 15 years ago with one man and one van, <laughs> a young man with a van <laughs> who had friends back in Latin America who were farmers and he would call them up and they would put things on a, put produce on a plane and ship it to New York. And he would collect, go out to JFK, collect it and sell it to, uh, to sell it to brokers or sell it to restaurants. And 15 years later, this has grown into one of the major players. So they have made an aggressive foray into new products and new lines of produce. And Jessica, as you know, one of the important things is why would somebody want to sell this company? Because it's gone from just a guy in a young van to right. 
to sales over $25 million a year. Yeah. Why is he selling? He's selling. He's a new, he's not a, he's not retiring. He's not an older guy at all. Mm -hmm. He's a young, he's a young man. He started, well, he started 15 years ago as a young man, but he's still in good age and he's a new father. He has one new baby and another one on the way. And the family just does not want to raise the kids in New York. Mm. You can understand that. They don't think it's right. Yeah, I, I, I can. They they want to go back to their home country where all the family is. So that's the reason for the sale. Wow. Well, um, I mean, it sounds like an amazing business, an amazing opportunity for somebody to jump in after, you know, the sellers have built this, you know, major player over these last few years. And I totally understand the family reasons. We see that a lot in business sales. Tell us, um, you, you mentioned about 25 million revenue. Tell us a little bit about the SDE of the company and, and what the owner's asking for the asking price. Sure. So uh, total sales, as we said, $25 million. The cost of goods is high. That's what you deal when you're dealing with food. That's 19 million. Total expenses, 5 million. That gives a net uh, income of about $1.2 million. Then we add back the uh, owner's salary and beneficial addbacks of nearly $600,000. So we end up with an SDE. The, the discretionary earnings are $2,250,000. Let me take one minute to talk about the upside and two growth areas. Of course. Which, which are super. And that is one they are ready to get into the organic market. They've already been certified. The certification's already been completed. And one reason it was so fast is that they already had been set up for the clean process that was needed for organic. So they're ready to get into organic. And that opens up all kinds of new retail um, uh, uh, establishments and wholesale establishments uh, and, and to answer public demand in the organic area. And they're ready to go, to go uh, direct to retail. So the asking price is $13.9 million. Financing is available. And we'd love to have conference calls with prospective buyers. Well, it sounds like a great opportunity. I know getting that organic stuff set up is not an easy road. So that's a huge growth opportunity for the buyers. If someone is listening to the show, Carrie, and would like to speak with you further about this listing or other businesses in New York, how can they get in touch with you? C. Davis, that's Carrie, C. Davis at tworld.com or just call me direct 646-707- four five five nine and we'll talk produce awesome well we'll drop that information to the show notes as well carrie thank you for coming on the show and sharing this very unique listing with our listeners and have a great day thanks jessica take care thanks for tuning into the show today if you like the podcast share it with your friends on social media and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app if you have questions would like to appear or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.